five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Fifteen minutes of flame, the hottest podcast on the internet. That was uh, Sunset Gun Damage Manual. Did that wake you up? Did that wake your ass up this morning? I hope so. I've been wanting to play that for about a week now, and I just needed the uh, the right moment and the right time. I think today is the right moment and the right time. Good morning. You're listening to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm Robert Phoenix. I'll be here for another hour and a half, give or take a few. Um, if you were here, you can see what's behind me right now, which is a still from the movie Dazed and Confused. And of course, over my right shoulder is Matthew McConaughey, who is a former resident of uvalde texas and we're going to be talking about uvalde today again a uh, bit of a different angle and we're going to do um three shows on this event which occurred started yesterday looking at some of the abstract um symbolism of course you have the ram and ramos and then mars and aries which is the ram and mars coming up with the conjunction of chiron <clears throat> astrologically in the united states going through its chiron return not quite yet it's getting there though chiron in the u.s chart is at 20 degrees aries and i talked about I, I talked about the chiron return for the u.s a long time ago and i said that when the u.s goes through its chiron return which it does every 50 years by the way that this is probably the the big push for gun control and it would also have the highest quotient of internal violence for the country that um, that we could probably witness because it's getting it's getting hot, right? We're we're dealing with a pressure cooker now. And uh, who was it? Bet Midler. Bet Midler said to attend the NRA meeting in Texas armed. Bette Midler is calling for people who are on the left to arm themselves at an NRA meeting. I find this to be just stupidly ironic. Absolutely stupidly ironic. These are people who are, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, supporting not just gun control, but outright uh, gun seizure. Uh, and, 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 and what is she doing? She's advocating to bring guns to, to the NRA, uh, meeting here in Texas. It's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. 
Apparently, Trump's going to be in Houston. No guns allowed. I, I, Trump is no fan of guns, by the way. He he was uh, he bowed, you know, he bowed to the uh, uh, the uh, the Parkland crowd, and then he outlawed the bump stocks. Well, we'll give him the bump stocks. Well, why did he why did he take a knee? Why did he cow to them? Well, it's because number one, I I don't think Trump has ever fired a gun in his life. I'd make a bet on that. I could be completely wrong. Maybe they've got a secret underground indoor shooting range uh, at the bottom of Trump Tower. And maybe he's, you know, planked off a few rounds down there, possibly. I just don't see him as somebody who's ever fired a gun. He's had personal security for most of his adult life. Why would he need to know about guns and the importance of guns? Trump is an urbanite. He has the ability to connect with people through his 11th house with that stellium and cancer. But by and large, he's an urbanite. And um, unless you live in Chicago or you live in Bed-Stuy, New York, uh, if you're an urbanite, your relationship with guns is probably pretty limited because in the large urban areas outside of Texas, Chicago, Chicago, it's very hard to own a legal gun. You can own a gun, but it's not legal. Those you can get. They'll always, people will always find the illegal firearms. This is the thing that the advocates of gun control or outright gun seizure don't understand. They'll always be able to find a firearm or if not a firearm, some other form of a weapon which will help them as a threat to violence so that they can fill in the blank, rob a store, rob an individual, whatever that thing is, right? So now Bette Midler is out banging the drum for people to bring their guns, to, to go armed to the NRA convention. The NRA is, if you're a gun owner, you, you've moved on from the NRA. They are, the NRA is passe, right? There is a Gun Owners of America, GOA, which is a different organization and much more invested in lobbying. Gun Owners of America helped get uh, constitutional carry passed here in Texas which passed, I believe, last year. It was a big deal. It was one of the last things that they did in session when uh, they came forward with... Uh, but they, they, they've been working on this for a while. And finally, I think Abbott, because he knew he was up for re-election, he had to throw people some bones because he completely fucked up the whole COVID thing. Abbott, as, Abbott is an acolyte of the World Economic Forum. He's an acolyte. He's, he, I think he had a page on the WEF website. There was a, a, a citizen, you know, quote unquote, activist, quote unquote, patriot who asked Abbott to denounce Klaus Schwab and Abbott would not do that. You know, typical bullshit political answer. Well, we're, we don't support globalism. He asked him, I think twice, maybe three times. Here's your opportunity to denounce Klaus Schwab. I've talked about this before. Why didn't he just fucking do it and just lie? And I'll tell you why he didn't lie. It's because I think it's connected to something 
that is part and parcel of either being a high-ranking Mason or whatever whatever subgroup of the Freemasonic order. Like, they can't say certain things. They can't say certain things. Because he could easily lie. He could denounce Klaus Schwab and then fire off a little email to Klaus Schwab and say, hey, Klausy baby, I had to denounce you today. Just don't take it personally. I did it for the masses. He could do that, but he didn't do that. Why? That's always a very interesting question, the why. And we're engaged in the why. We're invested in the why. Today, we're going to look at some of the whys around Uvalde. As the smoke clears, there are a lot of questions that uh, need to be asked. A lot of inconsistencies here. And uh, they, the, the, the act of asking the questions is vital. Okay, let's see who's uh, going on. Well, before we do a little bit of a roll call here, of course, you know, we have to take care of a little, little business. And um, that business has to do with supporting our sponsor who supports us and supports you. It is the circle of life. And you know I'm going to talk about true hemp science right there, which is my buddy Chris, Christopher Lynch, based out of Austin. And um, I keep getting rave reviews about his CBD. People send me texts. They send me emails. Um, like, this is good shit. This is good, high-quality CBD. And, again, there's a number of different applications that you can tap into, whether it's the sleep gummies or CBD for your pets or any of the uh, interesting blends that uh, – Chris is always coming up with, they, they have, you know, there are trace elements of THC in some of the CBD. And then there are THC free CBD applications. So if you don't like the THC lingering around, sometimes the, some of his really potent CBD has that THC slightly herbaceous um, flavor to it. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. Some people just want the clean CBD effect, which is taking care of your inflammation. There's options here. And it, like I said before, on uh, every day where I talk about his uh, product and service, that if you spend more than $100, uh, I would imagine if you spend it, if you spent 80, you'd probably get something. Knowing Chris, who's incredibly generous. So spending 100, that's always the benchmark. If you get close, you'll probably get uh, some goodies thrown in. Just go to uh, truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23 and just type in 15 mins. That's one five M-I-N-S. And uh, you'll get your goodies. You'll get what you order and then some. And again, I just want to talk about the gummies. The gummies come in a very cool jar, like a high quality glass freaking jar. And apparently it's one of these jars that's really good for healing. There's something about the uh, the glass modality with the jar that uh, sets it apart. Um, a little bit of um, uh, what's I'm looking for housekeeping here. Uh, I put up the uh, the shows from Friday on the website today, so we have the interview. This this is all audio. We have the uh, stripped out audio of Howdy. On Napoleon and Elvis and Jimmy or Ryan Ellis and all 
you know, great conversation with Howdy. That's on the website. And you can uh, just download that if you just want to listen to the audio. And also uh, the great interview with Joan on the Mercury retrograde removal. And that's there as well. So if you're interested in listening to those, they're on the website now. All right, let's see. Who do we have here? Who is checking in on the chat side of things? We got my man, Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? There's Fran. Hi, Fran. Good morning to you. Uh, Empath, there's Michael. Good to see you, Michael. Hi, Sony. Sony, there's the beautiful Wendy Says, bringing us her beautiful vibes. Kelly B's here. Hi, Kelly. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Kelly thinks of the music. Because I'm, I'm in the chat. I'm ahead of the music. Kel Kelly has some interesting taste in music. Let's see what she has to say. Uh, let's see who else do we have. Meta. Meta Medi. We got Meta Medi and Empath. Oh, how about that? Carrie Prasad. Hi, Carrie. Good morning to you. Right on time today. Wendy, it was a good day. I got up early. I had a good night's sleep. I got up early. Even though I worked late last night, it was up to 1.30 in the morning doing all that audio stuff. But I did get a good night's sleep. Uh, who else do we have? TJ, there's my man, Tom. Hi, Tom. How are you? Uh, let's see. Queen Lisa's here. Hello, Queen Lisa. Uh, who else do we have? You guys are such a welcoming bunch. Mike slept well, too. Mark Matheny, what's going on, Double M? Good to see you. Welcome back. Miss Nakia's here. Hucklebuck411. I love my chat. Tondar, I got laid off at the end of my parental leave. Uh, well, is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? I guess you'll find out. Uh, Maurice has been seeing this morning on Twitter, cops in Uvalde. We're going to talk about that. We're, we're, so the gunmen roamed the halls. Well, we're going to talk about that too. There's a lot of inconsistencies. Killer background, man. <laughs> What's going on, Michael? Good to see you. Yeah. It'd be better if you did. I know. Those are great lines. Fucking Dazed and Confused is... Uh, it's it's one of my top 20 movies of all time. You know, it's the it's the American graffiti for my generation. Link Ladder, I think, graduated in, what, 77? So I think he's a year older than me. Tom Dar said that courtesy to call me back the day before I was supposed to start back. Well, that was nice of them. I have to hang in there. Luckily, it's not PP Pants City yet. Tondar, you will you will survive. You will get through this. Arlene Vegas here. Good morning, Arlene. Good to see you. Welcome back. Um, Tondar says that's what I'm kind of hoping. Somewhere between curse and opportunity. Got to make it work. We're all in that situation. We're all in that position. Yeah, we're gonna get into some of this today, Maurice. Transvestite, maybe, maybe, clearly fucked up. Clearly fucked up. 
Suit reminds me of Tim Curry character from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's an interesting, you know, there is, you know, he reminds me of Richard Rodriguez, the uh, Hillside Strangler, the vampire from L.A. Miss Nakia brings up a really good question here. Hucklebuck, where were the cameras? Where were a good question? Where were they? So did the shooter pimp himself out to get the funds for the ARs? The truck is a big deal. Like the truck is a $70,000 truck. The kid was a dropout who worked part-time at Wendy's. Um, I'm going to get into uh, some commentary from a locksmith who has some interesting things to say about schools and doors. C. Pines is here. What's going on, C. Pines? And look, Tamara's here. You're late, but that's okay. We're here. Tonner brings up a great point. This shooting feels very similar to Sandy Hook, the way all the gun grabbers were ready to rock before the bodies were cold. Yeah, I mean, this stuff has been going on for a while. Squirrel. What's going on, Squirrel? There's Beth B. God, we got a, we got a great group here today. Cremo. Christine checking in. Steven, Chris. We got David Hawk. We got we got the All Star crew. Humanity is splitting, folks. I'm telling you, of course, it's what they want. They they this is um, he does look a lot like Ramirez. I know, right? I know. You think that's by accident or by design? Maybe he's a little Richard Ramirez clone. So I've got some interesting info. Let me let me start with the locksmith stuff. So I can find this thing, which I was just reading. Sunset gun. You know, that was uh two-thirds of public image limited. I I knew both Job Wobble and Martin Atkins. Job Wobble is a super nice guy. And I know I've known I, I know Martin pretty well. Uh, Martin Atkins being the drummer and the <laughs> The owner of Wax Tracks Records. I, so, should I talk about this? I could talk about this because it's over. It's like it's all said and done. So, back in my music days, we'll get we'll get to the uh, locksmith in a second. Back in my music days, my last pit stop was working for what's called an aggregator, and aggregators became like the thing for digital music. If, if you were a label, you had to go through, at a certain point, if you wanted to be on iTunes or Amazon or any of the other services, you had to go through an aggregator. An aggregator is like a digital distributor. Like you couldn't do a direct deal with iTunes. You'd have to go through an aggregator because the aggregator would handle all of the mechanicals and all of the... Uh, royalties from the downloads which in many cases are paltry especially with spotify um but this was back when people thought that um, downloading music was what people wanted to do and the industry convinced people that you don't want to download music you just want to stream it so you don't want to own it so the last aggregator i worked for was one that was a publicly traded company out of uh, sacramento and I was one of these guys who was hired to go out and find content. 
So of course it had been my world. I knew a bunch of people. I knew a bunch of labels. I had a relationship with Martin and um, Martin is one of these guys. I think he's a, I think he's a Leo. I think both him and Job Wobble are Leos. And as a result, I think they, they didn't get along all the time. Anyway, um, so I went to Martin. I said, you know, Martin, I bet you've got a bunch of stuff that, that uh, is not available for download. And he has a ton of shit. I mean, a ton of shit. So I, I got him to go and put together these spreadsheets and, you know, for the, for the content. And the company needed to have bands or labels, in most cases labels, to be able to sign up with them and have their music be essentially curated by this company um, so that the company could go to Wall Street because it was a publicly traded company and say, hey, look what we did. You know, we just signed this label and this label and this label that's going to reflect in our our stock price and we're going to hit our, our street projections. And, um, and they were desperate. They were desperate to sign these labels and they had money. They had, they had um, VC money. So, and I like Martin. He's an interesting character. Um, he, he's a mad professor. And at that time, I think he had some, let's say bookkeeping challenges. Yes. With some of the artists that had been on his label. We'll just use that term. So Martin and his lawyer, it was one of those moments where opportunity meets necessity. The aggregator needed to sign kind of a big label, have a big announcement. And the label needed the money. <laughs> I think Martin got, so the idea is that you would basically get this huge upfront sum. That's right. You get this huge upfront sum and then you would have a five-year contract with the aggregator so that once the upfront sum was recouped, then the aggregator would make pure profit. They would own it for, let's say the next three, let's say it took two years to recoup. And they had a they had a formula. They'd run it through their formula, their algorithm, and if it met a certain criterion, based on the number of titles, variables, X factors, etc., then they'd come up with an advance, or in this case, a payment, which is similar to an advance. And uh, Martin did really well. He did incredibly well. And then within six months of that deal. Um, I was out of the company. The company had folded and had been bought by the original company that Martin had been a part of. He gotten out of that deal to get this deal. So he's back where he started, but he's um, significantly more uh, flush with cash. So there you go. There's a little damage manual, a little wax tracks, a little Martin Atkins story. Um, let's get into this post by this um, locksmith so I can find it again let's see if I can find this thing 
All right. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to read it um, verbatim, but the locksmith who, who, this is from a, a, a message board. So the locksmith left this post and he said that after Sandy Hook, that it's nearly impossible to have an open back door. So think about this. Nearly impossible to have an open back door. And supposedly the shooter, Salvador Ramos, came into the school through the back door. Now, according to the locksmith, the way that the doors are set up is that they, once you shut that door, it automatically locks. Like there's no turning of a little latch or anything like, like it automatically locks. Um, there, there is also like a kind of, it's not quite an arm bar, but you have to go through a couple steps to open that back door. Like, it's just not that easy. Also, the back door is connected to the, um, the alarm system. So how did he get into that school? How did he know if it's even him at this point? How did Salvador Ramos know which door to go through? Now, I live in Texas. I've been a parent of a child who's gone to school in Texas, elementary school, middle school, and high school. And let me tell you, trying to access your kid in a Texas school takes some effort. It takes effort. Like, it's not easy. Um, I remember the last time I tried to connect with my kid at his high school, it was it was almost Orwellian, you know, in terms of trying to, you know, get somebody to help me and have him locate him and come. It was not easy. And even when he was in elementary school, Rob was is in elementary school, still very difficult. I had to go inside. You have to buzz. Number one, you have to buzz. And they have to look at you. They've got a camera. And I believe it was Lisa and Chad who asked the question, where's the cameras? Schools have cameras. They have cameras all over the place. And they clearly have cameras by the entrance and the exit. I guarantee you that. And some of it has to do with being audited. Like these are things that they have to have. If they don't have them, like they're screwed. So he figures out somehow how to get into the school through the back door, the only entrance which is accessible and knowing the high security standards for back doors, it's nearly impossible unless somebody left the door open. That's a big yellow bleeding into red flag. Just that story alone. Here's another part of the story. The kid supposedly, again, word is supposedly here, 
rolls his $70,000 truck into the school, but he crashes the truck. Okay. Uh, if he's fucked up on SSRIs, maybe that's possible. Now, the rumor is, is that there was a guy who had a concealed carry who was in the school parking lot. It's around 1130 uh, in the morning. Maybe he's there to pick up his kid for lunch. Who knows? Now, supposedly, Salvador Ramos was on his way into the school and he gets shot. He gets shot by the guy who has the concealed carry. So whatever happens after that moment, it has nothing to do with Salvador Ramos. Nothing. So we've got some footage here. Supposedly of the cops who are standing around doing nothing. Doing nothing. This is from the New York Post, pretty mainstream publication. Let's watch the uh, here. Let's watch the parents here. See if we can make this a little bit bigger. Let's do a screen share. This is the parents urging the cops to go in and fucking do something. Okay, we got a lot of buffering here. I'm not sure. Here we go. New York! We ask you all who you thought balled out with their performance what? or performances in this week's Empire Statement. And I personally thought Anthony Rizzo's three home run night would take. Oh, come on, dude. That's ridiculous. Come on. We don't want that. We want the story. Of course, we're not going to get the story. Not in that video. Here, let's just go to uh, the New York Post. That is weird. We'll go to the... Uh, it's like they didn't want you to see that. They just went right through it. And... Um, Took you to the New York Jets story. Here we go. All right, here it is. It's right here. Let's try it again. I got it queued up. We're persistent. It's Mars and Aries. We have persistence here. Let's make this bigger. And take this up here. Let's go. <laughs> Hey, 
That cop, he's ready to tase those people. God, America is so fucking fat. So let's go back to the story. Let me uh, minimize this. Let's go back to the story. Come on. No, we don't want that. All right. Let's go back there. Let me see if I can do this. New York. We don't want to see you. All right. Here we go. A witness who lived across the street from the elementary school said onlookers begged officers outside the school to do something as gunfire rang outside the building. Go in there, go in there. Nearby women shouted at the officers who did not go inside. 24-year-old Juan Carranza said local police, state police, and 80 Border Patrol officers. So you saw state marshal, U.S. marshals were there. You could see that on their, their body armor, it said U.S. marshal. So the feds were involved Four of the border patrol, four of the 80 border patrol officers entered the school building and killed Ramos, according to a customs and border protection official. Now, keep in mind that there is a story floating around that Ramos was actually killed in the parking lot. That's a story. It's another story. But it differs from the dominant narrative. Now, supposedly she died. Jackie Cazares was one of the victims in the tragic school shooting. There were more of them. There there were more of them. There was just one of him, he said. U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz said in a Wednesday interview with CNN that as soon as the Border Patrol officers arrived, they didn't hesitate. They didn't hesitate. They came up with a plan. They entered that classroom and they took care of the situation as quickly as possible. Carranza said he first watched Ramos crash his truck in a ditch outside the school, grab an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle and shoot and miss two people at a nearby funeral home. That's bizarre. The mass shooter then fired at a school district security officer, ran inside the elementary school and shot two arriving Uvalde police officers outside the building. Uh, who added that all three police officers were injured. Okay, let's just talk about this for a second. If you've ever fired a gun, if you've ever fired a gun, you would know that at times actually hitting something is difficult. It's not the easiest thing in the world to hit. Just because you have a gun, doesn't mean that you're going to be successful, accurate and successful. It's, there's no given with that. 
So let's just, again, zoom out from this situation. You have somebody, theoretically, Salvador Ramos, who more than likely, if this is true, right, if we're, look, we're looking at it from the perspective that this part of the narrative is true, that he's probably on some combination of SSRIs, meaning he's taking meds, and he might even be high. He might he might have been high. But maybe he's got some riddles. So there's a lot of shit going on inside of his system, I'm guessing. It's a highly charged moment, full of adrenaline. Theoretically, he's going to go in there and kill a bunch of people. Unless you have trained. Now, what they're trying to do here, this is what they're trying to do with the narrative, is um, because he, uh, Call of Duty, apparently played Call of Duty all the time. And the idea here is that through the video game, he acquired the marksmanship in order to successfully kill people. That's the narrative. And I don't care how much you practice on a video game and you're either, you know, doing it online on Twitch, whatever, it's not going to be the same in a highly charged situation where your adrenaline is through the roof. Your heart rate is through the roof. You're hyperventilating unless you're a stone cold killer. In which case that might be something completely different. Um, and then you got to hit somebody. See, it's not as easy as you think. It's just not. No, the weapon he had is supposedly the exact weapon that they want to put limitations on and ban. Isn't that, isn't that convenient? So the idea that he would be, because you have to think about this, right? The cops, if, if this is true, and the cops come and they show up and they start to do their thing. Most cops, by the way, are wearing body armor, just in general. You know, I watch a lot of these um, audit shows on TV, not TV, on YouTube, like Long Island Audit. These are people that will go in and start videotaping post offices, city halls, libraries. And invariably, the cops show up. And I would say eight times out of ten, they're wearing body armor. But they've got a vest on. And in that vest, they have a they have a cam. By the way, where's the cam footage? That's the other thing. These cops are required to have body cam footage. Where, where's the body cam footage of the officers that he supposedly shot? Where's the body cam footage of the storming of the classroom? but we're not going to release it because of the sensitive nature of it. So if that's true and they do have their body armor, we saw some of those fat fucks running around when they were theoretically storming uh, the school. That means that the, that the target area is going to be limited. So if you're going to injure a police officer, you're going to have to hit an arm or a leg 
or a head. Now, if you hit the head, that's more than being injured. Pretty good chance the person's going to die. Or if they're not going to die, they're going to be irreparably damaged. Now, there's a chance, a random chance, that you may hit an arm. Because remember, these guys are probably moving. Their arms are moving. It's hard. It's going to be hard. So what does that leave? It leaves the legs. It's possible. Possible that the legs were shut. But I'm just telling you, if you go, here's, if you go to a rifle range and you're just taking target practice, that in and of itself will raise your cortisol level. It will raise your blood pressure. It will raise your heart rate. Just in general, right? Just in general, you're there. You know, you got your your headphones on and everything. But there are people that are that are popping rounds around you. Like that kind of gets into you a little bit. And then you have the actual, um, you know, violence of the gun itself. I mean, it's an AR-15, so there's not much of a kick. But just by going to the range, like you become really cognizant of things. In that moment, before you pull the trigger, firing downrange at the target, you're very conscious of your breath, you're conscious of your eyesight, you're conscious of the target. There's a lot going on there. You're conscious of how amped up you are, honestly. And that's just out of range. That's a, that's a controlled environment. You transpose that, you put that into that setting, and you've got somebody who is more than likely not going to be able to accurately shoot somebody. That's my MO. And especially if they haven't had a lot of range training and there's no proof or evidence that he had a lot of range training. We know that he played Call of Duty. It's not the same. It doesn't work that way. But somehow he's magically able to disable to police officers. There's questions here, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to ask. Why did it take them 40 minutes to an hour? I've heard close to an hour and a half. Why did it take them that long in order for them to go in and neutralize the shooter in the situation? Um, all three officers were injured. So this guy, every time I see a picture of him, they keep lightening his skin tone. Here's the, uh, here's the, uh, the official narrative here. Ramos barged into one classroom, locked the door behind him, and reportedly began massacring fourth-grade students and their teachers, according to the Public Safety Department. Public Depart Department of Safety uh, Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw said it was within 40 minutes or so from when the 18-year-old opened fire on the school security officer that the Border Patrol team shot him. The specialized SWAT-like team known as the Border Patrol Tactical Unit struggled to breach the classroom door but had to get a staff member to open it with a key. A law enforcement official who requested anonymity told the Associated Press Kazara said the officers needed better tactical training and were unprepared. 
So this guy lost his daughter and he's able to have a conscious and theoretically calm conversation with ABC News. He also said young people like the 18-year-old who killed his daughter shouldn't be able to buy guns. I'm a gun owner. I do not blame the weapon used in this tragedy. I'm angry how easy it is to get one and how young you can be to purchase one, he said. So, yeah, yeah, what's really going on here? What's really going on? So somebody sent me this text yesterday. And I'm going to read this text. It's a very interesting text. So I can find it. Essentially, what here? I'm going to read it because I can't. It's not on my computer. Let me read this text. Let's see where we are here. Here's the text. I worked for the department. I worked, that's ED, worked, not work. I worked for the Department of Homeland Security as a field engineer for a subcontractor. I worked at the Port of Long Beach, P-O-L-B, and the Port of L-A, P-O-L-A. There's a high school academy right next door to, to Pola. This Texas shooter kid looks like one of the students. They train them very early to be top secret clearance people, and they can't even tell their parents about certain stuff. And most are Mexican kids, first generation kind of thing. Very loyal to the state. Very loyal. The school and admin building is also in a very bad black ghetto in San Pedro, so they see the port cops and feds policing the ghetto all the time. Uh, and there's more. I had to have a heavy background check to get a badge to work in there. These kids go to high school there. It's a very cop and very woke modern vibe. So there you go. Um, this is somebody who believes that um, there is a type of training that is going on, that they're grooming these kids, that they're grooming them to be Manchurian candidates. So there's a lot more going on here than meets the eye. Now, yesterday, I posted a link to a video who asked the question, or that asked the question, who is Armand? Now, I'm going to leave, I think I'll leave the link to the video in the description of the show today, because it's a long video. And if I were to play the video, it would take up the next 25 to 30 minutes of the show. But let me give you a synopsis. The person who has done the research on the video found that Peyton Gedron had been going to a Discord channel. And it seems as though there was a, a person inside the Discord channel named Armand who was potentially grooming Peyton Gedron to become a shooter. 
And there are some links that the same Discord channel and the same character named Armand might have had a connection with Salvador Ramos. So this is another angle now that, that there are agents inside of these Discord channels who are grooming these fucked up kids to be shooters. And there's, there's, there's whole dialogue, like text exchange going on. And Armand, this Armand character is simultaneously challenging, goading, um, rewarding behavior that manifests in violent action. So this is a whole other thing, right? There's a whole other side to this where there's a very strong possibility based on what was just shared with me through that, uh, that text about, you know, in, in LA where they have a school right next to the port where of course you have a uh, department of Homeland security. And a lot of these kids are coming up from where they're coming up from Mexico. They're coming up from El Salvador uh, to some extent, Costa Rica, Guatemala, their first generation. And, you know, according to uh, my source, very loyal to the people that brought him here or brought them here in order to maybe pay back the, the favor. Now, what we've read about Salvador Ramos is that um, he was fucked up. He's a fucked up kid. He had issues. And even now, people like uh, Clone Biden are making excuses. They're not really making excuses. Justification. Like they're factoring in the mental illness part now. They're factoring in that whoever did this Again, I'm going to say use the word theoretically. Um, just because they have these issues, why is it that it's the United States that seems to have these, these shootings? Well, the reason why is because our culture is kind of fucked up, if indeed that's the case. The other reason why we have these shootings is because they're cultivated on any number of levels. Totally cultivated. Now, supposedly, they were supposed to have another shooting the day after in a place called Donna, Texas. And that one went under the radar and was averted. And here's the story here. Now, again, we have to take this with a grain of salt, but could this have been added to their arsenal of school shootings? Nice purple color. Uh, Donna ISD will be shutting down all campuses Thursday and Friday after a credible threat was reported to police, according to a source similar with the, familiar with the situation. 
An AK-47 and a list of targeted students were found by, isn't that convenient, were found by law, off, law enforcement officers in the home of one of the suspects. According to the source, two or three people were involved in the foil plot to open fire campus. The situation comes a day after a mass shooting in Uvalde, claimed the lives of 19 children and two teachers, Donna ISD Superintendent Angela Dominguez, that she cannot comment on the details of the situation, but confirmed they'll be shutting down and said they are taking action out of abundance of caution. The school district released the following message to parents and staff. This is a developing story. So they're down by the border. And remember, Mexico was the recipient of a cache of firearms and ammo under Fast and Furious which was the Obama program where ATF agents were doing a deal with the cartels. Deal might've gone wrong and the cartels wound up getting a shit ton of firearms. You know, it was just ridiculous. So this might answer the question as to how, if indeed he did have a $3,900, AR-15 with a red dot laser scope, plus another AR, plus a handgun, I think, along with ammo, totaling about seven grand. Now, it was said that he did buy the, the gun somewhere, but is that true? Maybe he bought one of them. Did he buy the other one? Is there a record of two AR-15 purchases? I don't think so. And again, there's no record of him. Like, look, I know it's Texas, but if you fire a gun, like an AR-15, people are going to pay attention. And I'm not even talking about the school. If you just go out and go target practicing and plinking, like you can plink with a 22. It's not that loud. But an AR-15 has a bit of a bang. And especially if you're shooting again and again and again, if you're doing any kind of reasonable target practice, you're going to get some attention because we live in a society now that's hyper vigilant. So if you hear something like a gunshot, you're going to report it. And, to, and by the way, ammo is not cheap. If you go and buy a box of 25 round, uh, let's say, what, what did you have? Do you have 556? Five, you might have, you might have been chambering 556. Five, that's not, that's not cheap. We're talking anywhere between 35 and $50 a box, depending upon the grain. And if you're going to target practice, you're going to have to burn through hundreds of rounds in order to get good at something, in order to have a highly stressful, tense situation and moment where your adrenaline is through the roof and there are three cops who are there, three cops and you injure all three of them and not one of the cops somehow manages to get off a shot and stop this guy. Think about that for a moment. Now, who's doing the target practice? It's the guys who got wounded. 
they're the ones that are going to the range. You know why? Because they have requirements that they have to fulfill. They've got X amount of range time every month that they have to fulfill. And if they don't do it, then they can be put on leave. Not only do they have to have range time, but they need to be able to demonstrate, you know, how to deal with things like jams. If they're using a nine millimeter with a clip that can jam. If they're using a revolver, that's a whole different story. Uh, in my experience, most police use nine millimeters with clips. They used to use um, the uh, 40 mil, but they went away from that. So there's also the breaking down of the gun, fixing the jams. Because you do get jams, even, even the best, you know, even Glocks will get jammed. So they're the ones that are taking the target practice. And they're the ones that get shot. And not one of them can somehow manage to fire off a round and wound this guy. That's another question that we have to ask ourselves. What, what was really going on there? Is that, the, is that the story? And who are the cops and are they recuperating? Of course, we don't know because we're not going to get any of those uh, juicy details. Until, of course, they decide that they want to roll them out. Here's the, um, the Beth Midler story, which is just fucking ridiculous. At the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston, Texas this weekend, that's the NRA, come armed. People should show up and protest at this conference. And she's saying, come armed. Here's Ann Terry. I don't understand Bet's post, but it caused me to wonder what percentage of NRA attendees bring their guns to the convention floor. Who is she? She follows Rex Chapman. That says everything. We have the power to change this, and we will. You know, these shootings take place whenever Beto is running for office. I can't stand Greg Abbott. But I detest Beto even more. They probably hang out. They probably drink together. They probably smoke dope together. Right? So this idea that they're adversarial is, is uh, probably uh, a moot. It's not a moot point, but it's... I think I think it's one of those polarized talking points that allow the paradigm to move forward or maybe allow the paradigm to go backwards. Are you coming back up here now? You got tired of that spot? You want, you want more action. Jasper. 
do you have a license to carry? He says, I don't even have any teeth. How could I carry? I have no teeth. He doesn't have any teeth. All right, let me get back to some more anomalies here. Think about those anomalies. I mean, it's ridiculous. The guy who has no range time, but he does play a mean, a mean call of duty, wounds three police officers who have plenty of range time, who can't manage to get off one shot and wound Salvador Ramos. Again, that's if it's part of that narrative. That narrative being that he actually made it inside that classroom, which I don't think he did. Um, what else do we have here around this? Let me see. So this NRA convention in Houston this weekend looks like it could be a hot spot. I think Trump is going to be there as well. I think I think Trump is in that mix. I'm pretty sure about that. Let me just see here if there's anything else. There was something else here. What was it? Give me a second. Joe Manchin at the World Economic Forum backing uh, Ukraine. How about that? All right. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go. I want to go to, um, let's do this. Let's do this. A little Mercury retrograde here. And let me, let me see if I can dial this up. By the way, we'll have a Russ Winter on Friday. I have a special show plan on Friday. I don't want to talk about it yet, but it's coming. Okay. This is interesting. This is very interesting. Let me see if I can just get a fix on the date here. Okay. So the shooting took place on when Tuesday, is that right? Tuesday was the 24th. Did it take place on Tuesday? I just want to make sure. 
Fund for Families of Victims and Survivors of the Uvalde Shooting. Here we go. Do we have a grift here? We got a grift going on. This is from LULAC. This is this is a whole nother wrinkle. Let's check this out. Fund for families of, of victims and survivors of the Evaldi school shooting. Pray for Texas. 100% of the proceeds will go to the families and survivors. As the largest and oldest grassroots civil rights organization, LULAC is called to assist and support the community of Uvalde, Texas, where 90% of the students of Robb Elementary School identify as Hispanics, and more than uh, four-fifths are economically disadvantaged. This community needs our collective prayers, help, and support. So it looks like you can just go right in there and donate. So we have another donation fund. Wow. Very interesting. Another donation fund set up very quickly. Okay, let's just look at this. Make sure we have the... Uh... So 525. Five, was it uh, 520... No, it's 524. Two days ago. Tuesday, 524. Okay. In 2014, which is eight years ago, on May 23rd, that's one day before the Uvalde shooting, we have the Isla Vista shooting, which is highly suspect. And that's with um, Elliot Roger, the incel, which I think is a complete hoax, by the way. There he is. Elliot Roger. Mental health and social problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Manifesto, of course, he has a manifesto. The war on women, the attacks, the victims. Okay, so he has, um, this is who I'm interested in, which is Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez. Right there. Right there. Let's do this. Now, here's his dad, theoretically, here's his dad. This is the whole thing is really weird because I, I remember looking for uh, at that time, because I really got into this uh, event and I remember looking for anything that linked his father to some kind 
of like a life or a real job. I really couldn't find much. And I certainly couldn't find much on his supposed son. And let's play his video a little bit here. Okay. Now, what's interesting, this woman's wearing purple. Keep in mind, this is from 2014, May 26th, the exact day, right? Today is May 26th. This interview airs on May 26th. And this is three days after this guy's son has been supposedly shot. So let me make sure that I have the uh, the right defaults here. Okay, let's go in and share this. Here we go. This is um, Christopher Martinez's father from Santa Barbara. Martinez, he was in the deli when bullets came flying in. Since then, his father, Richard, has been outspoken. He has been very emotional about the gun laws and politicians, he says, are responsible for repeated violence. CNN's Kyung La had an opportunity to sit down with Mr. Martinez, who was incredibly emotional. He's our only child. And he died on Friday. I'm 61 years old now. I'll, you know, I'll never have another child. <laughs> He's gone. Where's his tears? So the reason I'm doing this right now is to try to see if we can do anything to make my son's death mean something. Because that's all we've got. He's not going to grow up to be a man. To She's wearing purple too. Work in the world. What did we lose? He was articulate, determined, nice, uh, and tough. If there's all these things in the media about the shooter, and there's nothing about the victims, then it sends the wrong message. And the people need to understand that real people died here. And do, do, do you know hear that? You hear that? He's essentially saying people need to understand that real people died here. He's absolutely doing everything in his power to sell this event. Okay, let me say something else. As some of you know, my dear cat Rosie passed away last week, and I was a blubbering fucking mess, okay? It's a cat. A cat. And I was a blubbering mess, and I've been reluctant to talk about it on the show because I just would, you know, lose it, right? This guy loses his son, and he goes into like a fake crying fit, although we're supposed to believe it's real. And then he comes right into the anti-gun polemic and telling everybody that real people died. Let's, let's watch a little more. Put faces and names and histories to the people, people who died to make it real for them. The politicians after Sandy Hook swore that they would do something. We're all proud to be Americans, but what kind of a message does it send to the world when we have such, an, such, a, such a rudderless bunch of idiots in government? I can't tell you how angry I am. It's just awful. And no parent should have to go through this. No parent to have a kid die because 
in this kind of a situation? What, what has changed? Have we learned nothing? These things are going to continue until somebody does something. So where the hell is the leadership? Where the hell is this, these people we elect to Congress that we spend so much money on? These people are getting rich sitting in Congress. And what do they do? They don't take care of our kids. My kid died because nobody responded to what occurred at Sandy Hook. Those parents lost little kids. It's bad enough that I lost my 20-year-old, but I had 20 years with my son. That's all I ever have. But those people lost their children at six and seven years old. How do you think they feel? And who's talking to them now? Who's doing anything for them now? Who is standing up for those kids that died back then? It is okay. This motherfucker, he's not even crying. He's not crying. There are no tears coming out of his eyes. Nice try. Good effort on the anger tip, but not buying it. And then he comes out and he says that he's going to dedicate the rest of his life to making sure that this never happens again. The rest of his life, according to the rest of us, is probably about three weeks. Because after that, he's off the radar. We don't hear from Mr. Martinez anymore. He played his part. He played his role and did everything he could to sell that event emotionally. You know what he sounded like? He sounded like Steve fucking Kerr, who did the same thing two nights ago before the Mavericks game where the Golden State Warriors, good job, Steve. You know, Steve Kerr is a weird cat. Because number one, he's super woke, and he always comes out whenever there's a shooting. He says, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the condolences and the prayers. And he, you know, he got up and he walked out of his own press conference, steaming mad. Oh, good job. Now you're going to go coach your team. I didn't see Jason Kidd do that. Jason Kidd grew up in Alameda. I wouldn't call it the hood. But Jason Kidd, Kidd hung out with some hoodie characters. Let me tell you, when he went to Cal, he hung out with some hoodie characters. He's not from the hood. Did Jason Kidd do a press conference? He li he lives in Texas. He didn't come out and Steve Kerr did. Steve Kerr is the son of Malcolm Kerr, who was killed in Lebanon. And he was a professor at the American University in Lebanon, probably a spook. So Steve Kerr's got that program running in his background. He's got a trauma program running in his background. So when something like this happens, Steve Kerr will lose his shit. You know, part of me is like, you know, I get it, man. Your father got killed. Theoretically, you got killed by terrorists. I mean, that's the, that's the company line, the company story. But did he? And what was Malcolm Kerr really doing over in Lebanon? Kay Griggs talks about him a little bit. Kay Griggs talks about his it was an assassination. I'll have to go back and reference that. Um, so isn't that weird that we have the Isla Vista shootings 
happening on the 23rd of May. And then we have the Uvalde shootings happening on the 24th of May. Very interesting, if I do say so myself. All right, let's look up one more here. Um, let's see. Russ and I have talked about this before. Oh, this is interesting. Very interesting. So I'm looking up. What's I watch? Okay, so I was looking up the uh, the shooting in Roanoke, Virginia. Allison Parker and Adam Ward. Um, that took place on August 26, 2015. Uh, somebody by the name of Vicki Gardner. I remember the Vicki Gardner video. She kind of spilled the beans a little bit on that thing. And then she was quickly dispatched. It's like, okay, enough, Vicki, enough. We don't need to hear more from you. Your story is getting a little loosey-goosey. So here we are, we're in the midst of the great gun grab and uh, Mars marching towards Chiron and Aries. And I feel like that that's astrologically the momentum that even with the, the Chiron return for the US, which doesn't really happen until 20, I think around 2024. Uh, 2024 is a huge time in the United States and the world in general. It'll be the second of two major eclipses. And this one will come right through, literally right through where I'm living. Up from Kerrville, through the Stonehenge of Kerrville, the Stonehenge of the Hill Country, the 2024 eclipse will come right up through there, right over my head if I'm still here, and all the way up through Minnesota and Canada. And it is a precursor to a time where we are going to have uh, some very interesting conjunctions towards the end of Saturn and Pisces, conjuncting Neptune and Pisces. And immediately those two signs will change and we'll have Neptune and Aries and Saturn and Aries. So we have some big ground ahead of us in terms of what's going on here really big ground and the 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 immediate in the in the immediate theater of our consciousness and the play of our consciousness in the world the astrological aspects are really mounting towards more violence more problem reaction solution with this the major event being roughly about 2 weeks out from now so we know that the Buffalo shooting was on the radar. We have the school shooting in Uvalde. Now, 
the schools are going to start to close for summer vacation. And what's interesting is that the shooting in the church in Laguna Hills, which was like some Chinese beef, that, that didn't get much press. So in order for this trinity to hit, they're going to need one more, one more shooting. And based on past historical reference, these shootings usually take place in enclosed areas, right? Not out in the parking lot of a school, but inside of a classroom, inside of a market, inside of a Walmart, enclosed areas, inside of a theater. So this is, and there's a theme now, right? There's a replacement thing. Now the theme with, our boy down in Uvalde, Mr. Ramos. That's a that's a very that's a very confused theme, particularly if he has some uh, trans tendencies, which it seems like he did. There's some photos of him where it looks like he's cross dressing, but they're not going to talk about that. So you know the theme that they're selling there isn't about racial violence which they tried to sell in Buffalo, but more about just, you know, generic guns. So where, where, if there is another, so remember the thing in Laguna Hills, another closed environment was a church. So let's see, we could be looking at synagogue. Schools are letting out. So they'd have to rush to have another, the school shooting, schools line. So we're looking at a church, a synagogue, another nightclub situation, possibly, possibly a sporting event, but they're hard to control. Sporting events are hard to control. And you know why they're hard to control? Because in sporting events, there's a lot of alphas that actually are hanging out watching the event and they'll fucking try to do something. So sporting events are hard to control unless the event itself would be completely controlled. Concerts, we talked about nightclubs. Concerts, we had the Bada Clan shooting in Paris. Again, a controlled environment inside of that environment. Seldom do these things happen in an open-air situation. Um, I do think we have one more. I'm going to put the the, they need one more to really ram this thing home. And where that is going to be, maybe I'll talk about it and try to get into a predictive mode on Sunday night and look at some of the astrology. But this is where they're ramping up, right? They're ramping up to make a big push. You know it. We can see it coming from a country mile away, five miles away, 10 miles away. It's not that hard. And there are the incongruities. There's going to be more. And just as we sink our teeth into the incongruities, we'll have another distraction. And we'll be running down that rabbit hole. Meanwhile, nobody's talking about Davos. Nobody's talking about the World Economic Forum. Oh, we're talking about Texas. 
We're talking about Uvalde. We're talking about how terrible guns are for our society. Not the people, not the fucked up conditions of our society, but the guns themselves. As if the gun has some kind of animate power, a spirit within it that overtakes and possesses a person. It moves them to commit acts of violence and mayhem. That's what they'd like you to think. All right. I'm out of here for today. Thanks for being here. All right. All right. All right. Go out and have yourself a really good day. Have an excellent day. In spite of everything, in the face of it all, declare your humanity and your divinity. Hand in hand. As we move into Gemini and the uh, bipolaric sphere of operation, you're both. You're human and you're divine. That's right. You are. You are the center of the universe and you're not. Live your paradoxical equation to the fullest and be conscious and aware of who you are and how you impact the world and people around you. Are you adding or are you subtracting to the equation? All right. We got a surprise show tomorrow. Tune in. Russ Winter will be here for the first hour. And we'll see. Maybe he'll be on for more than one hour. We'll have a special show tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. That's over on the uh, Friday forecast side. All right. Take good care. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. From myself and Jasper, bye for now. <laughs>